Hans Olsen, Frank Dolce. This is your Utah postgame show. Frank, please explain to me what the heck just happened. How do you score seven points in the first half? And then you find a way to score 38 points in the second half. How does that happen? Please tell me. That that is called strategy. <laughs> there's not many there's not many coaching staffs in the nation that are willing to put their put their teams in a situation like that where they have to perform in the second half as well as Utah did to win a game. That's it like, was it was like the rope a dope. It's like when Rocky Balboa was letting Clubber Lang just beat the tar out right. of his face, and yeah. Polly turned to the trainer and said, "What's he doing in there?" Yes, and, and, goes, and what did he say? He's making a mat. Yes, yeah, that's exactly what happened. That is the only reasonable explanation. <laughs> so <laughs> for so they for were just what let, we just witnessed. They were just letting him make a mat, and then they took it out on him. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, it was the old Muhammad Ali, right? Yeah, like, it was the rope dope. Out in the first first half, it was the rope dope. I yeah. wouldn't trust that working often, but I, it worked here apparently. You, you don't believe that was what was happening? How much did this have to do with benching Jake Bentley and putting in Drew Lisk? Well, Drew Drew Lisk certainly was a spark. Look, Jake Bentley was just he was, he wasn't good today. He just wasn't good. This is nothing against Jake Bentley, the person. Like, after the game against Colorado, he was on the microphone, and he was very classy, very classy. In fact, he pointed out the fact that Drew Lisk has been there the whole time and so helpful and so supportive, very classy guy. He just wasn't good today. That happens. I mean, sometimes you just don't, you just don't have your game, and, and Bentley didn't. His throws were off. He was indecisive. He was putting his receivers in difficult situations, not completely accurate with the football. And, and so a change was, was warranted. And it just so happened that uh, Lisk was, was the beneficiary of that. And it wasn't just Lisk. I mean, Lisk came in. He certainly provided a spark, but everybody got better. Everybody got better in the second half. Defensive pressure was better. Run run game defense was way better. Yeah. Washington State had 100 yards rushing in the first half. Utah's giving up 100 yards rushing total for games. So second half de- defensive run game stop got way, way better. And, you know, another that, – that same thing happened – that happened against Colorado. The offensive line started to take control of the football game, mm-hmm. manage the football game. So you couple that with Drew Lisk, who was much more decisive with the football and much more accurate in the pass game. And, and then Ty Jordan runs for over 150 yards in the second half. <laughs> How much? I think he had like 150 yards in the second half. I can't make sense of it. <laughs> so, so, and and by the way, that's unbelievable. Is there was there a superstar on the field today on the offensive side, other than Ty Jordan? No, <laughs> no, it was Ty it Jordan. Was just Ty Jordan. Britton Covey was good. Britton Covey was fantastic. Mm-hmm. How could the Britton Covey's per, the only way Britton Covey's performance is eclipsed is because of what Ty Jordan did? Yeah. 
Britton Covey, six catches, 134 yards and a touchdown. He had that uh, 91-yard reception where it was blown coverage. Jake Bentley put it over the top, put it short into, into a blown coverage. And, you know, you, you see Britton Covey's able to get under it, pull it in, and, and get the score before the half. So that was good. That was uh, that was Bentley's highlight today. That's a good highlight. I mean, that that touchdown pass is a good highlight. But but it was just just, it was just not quite enough today for Bentley. Jake Bentley in 7 of 14 for 153 yards, a touchdown and interception before he was benched. Talk about the interception. Was it the interception that got him benched? Well, it was a bad it was a bad throw. I could, you could see because we got the sh- we got the 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 shot. The camera shot was good. The camera works good because we got to see what Bentley was seeing, and so his vision is just just slightly cut off by by his left tackle, the defensive end rushing, and so you could say, well, he just couldn't see the defensive player. But he, I mean, the the pass was just thrown directly to the defensive football player and and by the trajectory of the pass I'm not sure that pass would have made it to Brian Thompson anyway and I think he was headed to Brian Thompson on that particular play so you know that that's the only way that Utah puts themselves in a bad situation is through turnovers well actually the way they played in the in the in the first half was completely average you know we we were talking about it uh, and I made the comment that, boy, it seems like Utah just mailed it in after they decided not to go play in a bowl game because that first half was pretty bad, pretty it w- rough. It was the worst. That's the worst half of Utah football I've seen in a year. What game are you going back to last year, Brian? The bowl game against Texas. <laughs> yeah, there were some bad moments. I don't know if it was. <laughs> I don't know if it was that bad though. I think this half was worse. I could not believe the lack of pressure that the D line was putting on one on one in that first half. Not a lick, stoned at not, the line. Not at all. Not at all. And it was the same thing that we talked about. Four man rush. Utah was very. They just would not very hesitant to 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 bring pressure to create pressure packages. They did a couple times, but mostly it was that four man rush, and they just couldn't get home. So it's kind of funny the way I do my game day notes, or you know, just watching the game. I do impact moments, and I just write down impact moments. So here's your first half impact moments. <laughs> Is this a lengthy list? It's actually in hieroglyphics. I saw it earlier. <laughs> yeah. First half impact moments. Okay. Devin Lloyd, big sack on fourth down. Yeah, that was a ter- terrific play for sure. And then Washington State, blown coverage, Britton Covey touchdown. That's your first half. Th- this is your first half for Washington State. Borgie, back-to-back big runs, first offensive possession. Ty Jordan, fumble. Utah can't get pressure. Borgie scores off Ty Jordan, fumble, big run. Jake Bentley, horribly inaccurate, throwing behind wide receivers, getting them hurt. Utah D-line getting owned in combo blocks, in run game, no one-on-one pressures. Nakua gave up ball after catch, had it stripped right out of his hands. No pressure, blown coverages, whip route score off the edge. Like, this This is Washington State in the first half. Mm-hmm. And then here's your second half highlights. Ty Jordan touchdown run, Ty Jordan touchdown run, Ty Jordan touchdown run, Brian Thompson end around touchdown run, uh, Brent Keithy fly sweep. It's like, 
I'm never I, I I've seen crazy bipolar haps. I have. Just completely opposite. But I've never seen anything like this. This is the most opposite half to half that I've ever witnessed in my life. Because they were completely inept, completely incapable. The only way they got seven points was Washington State just it was the most horrid-blown coverage you've ever seen in your life. They blew it. They blew it. It was well-designed. I mean, nice little kind of pick play there, but they blew it on and, the coverage. And Bindley underthrew the blue in coverage. It was so blown that on the underthrown pass, Britton Covey had to slow down and wait for it. He still, still was got it. three or four yards <laughs> beyond the defensive back. And then the second half is just, you know, pressure after pressure, nice play in the backfield, forced fumbles, big plays, big catches. So what happens in the half? How does Kyle Whittingham address them after a first half like that? What's, I mean, what's his, does he come in calm and, and does he, does he say, guys, look, this is really bad. And, or, or does he freak out? Like, how do you think he handles the half? Well, I don't. You think I, he, he I just don't comes in him. with his mouth open, like <laughs> you know. There were some. There were some games where Lavelle wouldn't even come in at the half, he like just, just scratching his head. He, he walked just, in, and he <laughs> yeah. But what did Roger French do at halftime? And he, looked, <laughs> he looked around at everybody, and he said, "You know, hey guys, pick up your heads." We still have another half to play. Kyle Whittingham? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think... The game's not over yet. I think, I think Coach Whittingham probably let them know and un, in, let them know and know on certain terms that they were in the middle of a football game. And they were... <laughs> <laughs> they were getting, you know, they were getting it handed to them up and down the field. And, you know, they, the great old football speeches, you're playing for pride, you know... Uh, is this the way you want to go out? Is is this the impression that you want to leave with the fans and with yourselves? And 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 then his, I, I'm sure that his his coaching staff managed it differently. Sharif Shah is a guy that can get a little fiery, and I'm sure he inspired his guys. Um, but but yeah, I, I I'm I'm just guessing that Coach Whittingham was fairly intense at halftime. It's just it is so strange that that the complete dominance by Washington State in the first half 20 they scored 21 points in yep. the second quarter. They go 28 to 7 in the first half and Utah does not look like they can do anything on the offensive side of the ball or defensive or defensive. They could not stop Borgie. Max Borgie showed up, and Max Borgie was like, I'm back, and I'm going to run all over you. And it was embarrassing for a minute. It was. It, like, it, was. it really this was. This team has completely quit. This is a football team in Utah that gives up 100 yards rushing per game, and it looked like they had never played against the rush at all. I mean, it was m- massive gaps at the line of scrimmage. Look, and Borgie's a good running back, but I'm telling you what, all three of us could have run through some of those holes. Look, I, I'm I'm watching Twitter during the first half of this game, and I see the Utah Insider Group, including our producer, saying, "I'm done going for a walk. I'm out." Sorensen, <laughs> no the whole who that is the whole crew. I was like, guys, you gotta hey stay in it. Nobody else is gonna stay in it. You gotta stay in it. 
you've got you've got the Locked On Utes podcast. You got to stay in it. You guys left me in here with nothing but coffee to drink. <laughs> what was I supposed to do? You were getting all jittery and oh. yeah, but we left you donuts. We let to you keep have your a whole base. box of donuts. That was a bigger problem. The temptation. Oh. Dang, dude. Well, you, you, the problem is you're cutting calories. You come, you come in and grab these donuts. Brian, we got to keep you up to plain weight, man. It, the donuts represent the first half for the University of Utah, right? Yeah. You had to push away that temptation to play so terribly. Well, I didn't push them away here at the end of this thing. Well, Those are good. Those are good donuts. Well, it was a, it was a complete, a, as complete of a turnaround as I've seen with the, with the Utah football team. Utah gets the win 45 to 28, scoring 38 points in the second half of this game. You heard me right. So Utah gets the win 45 28. Utah covers the Vegas spread 45 to 28 by scoring 38 second half points, including 24 points in the fourth quarter that did have a pick six attached to it. How about Clark Phillips getting in the way of that ball? Yeah, how about that? That was nice. And, and Utah's in that kind of prevent kind of coverage, and you guys are just roaming around the defensive backfield. I mean, that's the it's – the, it's kind of the it's, – it's the best and the worst. If you're a quarterback in that situation now, – now here's the other thing to consider is Delora's a freshman quarterback for, for Washington State. He's probably not ever been in that position in Division One football. And so here he is trying to force a ball downfield into a prevent type defense. That is when the defensive backfield is just looking to feast. I mean, that's exactly where you want to you're everybody's playing center field. You just look for the ball and you become a ball hawk and you go after it. And and, and Utah didn't even have to do that. I mean, it just came just came right to him. So so what you do is you hit something underneath and because everybody's playing so far off, then you let your guy run around a little bit and pick up some yardage. So Utah certainly benefited in that scenario as well. So, Frank, roles are reversed, but mm-hmm. there was kind of two halves against Washington. Was it uh, as polar as what you remember seeing against Washington? But obviously reversed. You're up 21 nothing, and then second half, everybody decides they don't want to play football anymore. Yeah, I think you could say the same thing occurred in that game, although I didn't. I don't know that it was as dominant uh, for Washington as the as what Utah did today in the second half. Because no, that was just that, they, those they were scored twenty four unanswered. Complete, completely different teams. Yeah, completely different teams. It's like Washington. This yeah, one? Washington State couldn't couldn't figure out what to do in the second half, and that's not necessarily because Washington State couldn't figure out to do it. it was because Utah played so well. They it, did. It, they bruised them. Yeah, beat them up. Yeah. Against Got physical against Washington, I think Washington took over that game in the second half against Utah. Washington won at the line of scrimmage. They were just tougher in the second half in that game. So who knows? Maybe that experience came came through here for Utah, living yeah. through that experience against Washington this year. It, you know, I. I know sometimes I might come across as like an Andy Ludwig apologist. And, and believe me, I'm not. I have no ties to the guy. I, I have no reason to speak kindly of him. 
and he does get attacked quite a bit by Utah fans. I'm actually a fan of Andy Ludwig. I like his play calls when he gets creative and when he kind of lets his mind go. And you saw his mind go with the Brant Keithy fly sweep and then the Brian Thompson end around for the touchdown. <laughs> it was like, oh, nice. Hey, that's yeah. creative. There was a, a fourth down. I think it was maybe a fourth and one. And I think it was, um, I think it was a quick give to Keithy uh, off the motion. You know, you, you saw a little bit of innovation there. But here's the other thing. Okay, so Andy Ludwig has to look at his playbook, mm-hmm. and he has to look at it and say, okay, that route, cross that out, can't right. throw it. That route, can't <laughs> throw it. That yeah. route, can't throw it. This route, maybe be able to throw it, but that could be a pick if they're in certain coverage. Don't want to run that in third. And he's got to throw all these things out because he doesn't have a quarterback that he feels like can get it there. He's very he's very limited. He's very limited. And that's the point I've been making the past couple weeks is everybody's saying Coach Ludwig is vanilla and too conservative. And, well, I, I feel the same way you do, is that he has to look across his personnel on the field in any given situation and decide what's best for the team and what gives him the best opportunity to keep a drive going. And, and that does eliminate quite a few things out of the playbook but I thought he was I thought he did a fantastic job today first half poor execution second half better execution Keithy getting involved in the run game Britton Covey getting involved in the run game Uh, Ty Jordan getting involved in the pass game had a big conversion on a perfect pass from from Lisk Uh, so I thought there were some very creative moments in the game today. And and there were times when he when when I thought he stuck with his base appropriately so. I thought it was a you know you can't argue with the result. I thought he managed the game very well under the conditions. When Utah's offense plays with rhythm and momentum and and some sort of connectivity, it seems like he's really in his element as far as play calls and everything like that. And I think you really saw that as they opened up that first drive in the third quarter and they were hitting on pretty much everything and Lisk was spreading the ball around. And then you saw that once the defense started to worry about Brian Thompson a little and Solomon Enos a little bit and everybody else, now all of a sudden the floodgates were just wide open for Ty Jordan and he is incredible. I, I don't have words to describe what he is as a freshman. Pretty fun player to watch. He's electric. He's a, he is definitely a showpiece. He he's uh, he's a guy that you're going to tune in because you want to see what Ty Jordan does in a game. And I'm glad that that Utah at least has him for another year. Like I'm I'm glad that he's going to be around because I, I just want to see him play football. He's so nasty, so mean, low center of gravity. He's a, he's also another tackle breaker. Zach Moss, I think, uh, what what was he? He led the country, I think, in yards after contact. Uh, Ty Jordan is going to be that another year. Think about him in that strength and conditioning course and putting on a little bit more muscle, keeping that low center of gravity. Ty Jordan, you know, depending on how long he sticks around, he should own every record Utah's ever had. Well, based on his performance today and – this football season, this weird football season, I don't know that he's going to be around long enough to break all the records. I mean, I think he's going to need some time to break the records, but I, if he gets into 
three years into a career at Utah, boy, I'd have to say that he's, if he continues on this evolution, he's going to be looking to play on Sunday afternoons. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Kyle Whittingham is going to be on here shortly. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. You'll hear from Kyle Whittingham next. This Utah football team was cooking and cleaning in the second half of this game. No question about it. I know what they weren't doing. Oh, I know exactly what they weren't doing. Hey, do you think that... Feeling sorry for themselves. Do you think Ty Jordan would be your, like, most impactful newcomer? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've actually tweeted In the state of Utah? That doesn't go over well. People are just like, no, that Zach Wilson is like, well, we kind of knew Zach was kind of a guy. I'd never heard the name Ty Jordan. So <laughs> Ty Jordan was at least third on the depth chart. Yeah. Coming into the year. Yeah, and, and you're thinking, no, I heard from some people that he was doing well in camp and looked really good, but he didn't start. He didn't get second reps. But when he got his reps, it was like, oh, that guy's way different than the others. And then the next thing you know, Ty Jordan becomes the biggest storyline for this University of Utah football team through the year. Absolutely fantastic. We'll be uh, hearing from Kyle Whittingham here momentarily. We'll hear from some of the players as well as they come up to the podium. I'd like to hear from a couple of them on these exit interviews and our last real opportunity to hear from them as we close up the season. But Devin Lloyd led the team once again in tackles, 10 tackles. He had a sack. This team ended up with three sacks in the second half. I think they had 10 TFLs in the second half of this game when they started actually playing football. And Frank, do you remember <laughs> uh, Do you ever remember being in the locker room and you're down and you're saying to your buddies in the locker room, if they score 28 in the first half, we could score 28 in the, in the second half. And you're, in, yes, in your mind, you you're believe like, it? that's not happening. Did you believe it <laughs> no. when you said that? No. But these guys, but this Utah football team was like. I always did. I always believed you that. You believed it? And then after the game, I was like, man, I can't believe we didn't do that. I always thought to myself, I hope they believed that I believed that. <laughs> <laughs> so that we could all go out there and look like we believe it. You but, know, but they're down 7-28 to 28 going into the second half, and they come out on fire. We thought that the third quarter was good, but the fourth quarter was even better. 24 points, four, 24 points in the fourth quarter. So here's what, here's what would make you believe that you could do it. Okay, I'm going to run through the, the drives for Washington State in the All second right. half. Okay, you ready? Please do. Drive number one goes for three plays for negative four yards. Punt. Okay. Drive number two goes for three plays, six yards. Punt. Right. Drive number three goes for two yards. three plays, negative two yards. Man. Punt. Zero yards. <laughs> goes. Six plays, 24 yards. Punt. Okay. We're positive fifth, 24 yards. Fifth drive. One play, 17 yards, fumble. Sixth drive. One play, minus two yards, fumble. 
seventh drive. Is that right? Seventh drive. Four plays, negative five yards, interception. Okay. We're, we're currently, I think we're currently at, at 20 yards or so. Eighth drive, 11 plays, 74 yards. And this is the last drive of the game. Fumble. Jeez. Right? Yeah. So hey, that would make you think, hey, we might, we, we could do something here. Let's jump out to the podium and hear from the superstar himself, Ty Jordan. Practice on working to finish and then working to be stronger in the second half. And basically, we just had to be ourselves in the first quarter uh, and second quarter, first half, actually, um, both sides of the ball. We weren't really where we needed to be. So it was just, it was just time to turn up. Um, he, he told us, basically, he told us if, if you don't want to go hard, uh, the last 30 minutes of the game, stay in the locker room. And uh, as you can see, everybody that came out was ready to work. Next question will come from Josh Furlong with KSL, followed by Cole Bagley with the Utah Daily Chronicle. Uh, you're the first uh, uh, player to score three touchdowns in a game since Zach Moss did it in 2018. And what, what's that mean to you, especially in your, your freshman season, to be able to have a game like that cap off a season where uh, I think it was three games with 100 rushing yards each game? What, 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 is, what does that mean for you right now? Uh, it means a lot. It means a lot, actually, to be um, – Mentioned with the name Zach Moss, you know, he's done so so many great things for the program. I, I know I got some big shoes to fill and I haven't really um, got there yet. So I'm just staying hungry and staying humble. And um, it, it just feels great, though. It feels like um, uh, I made my mom proud. That's, that's all I want. Next question will come from Cole Bagley, followed by Josh Newman with the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, you were a, a welcome surprise this season, especially as a freshman. How do you look to build off of this year going into the next year? Uh, get better. Um, there's a lot of things that I have to get better at. There's a lot of things in my game uh, that I need to, to straighten out, and that's what I'm going to try to do. Next question will come from Josh Newman, followed by Patrick Kinnahan with 1280 to zone. Jordan. Congrats on the win. Um, how, how satisfying is this not only today, but to win the last three games, just, you know, after everything that's gone on with the virus outbreak, losing the first two games, how satisfying does it feel to end like this? Man, it's amazing. Uh, I remember before fall camp started, it was, hey, you may not play. Hey, you, you might play. Um, so it was, it was a little bit of a, a mental aspect to it of getting us down. And then, you know, here goes, we're finna play. Um, we, we miss our first two games, so that's a down part about it too. You just had us uh, sunk in our, in, our, in our minds. So um, just coming out and uh, getting better from the, la the two games we lost and starting a, a three-win streak, um, it, it really brings a lot to the table. It, it shows the fight. It shows how hard we work, and it shows that, you know, we're not going to end without a fight. And, Ty, just to follow that up, how, how difficult – of a decision was it amongst the players to opt not to play a bowl game? Um, I felt like it was it was very very difficult. You know, um, I felt like it it had something to do with just the crazy year and and not wanting to you know risk getting any injuries because of a bowl game. Um, but as far as I know, you know, guys are just you know ready for for the next season. Next question and final question for Ty will come from Patrick Kinahan. So Ty, the last couple of weeks, you've really turned it on individually in the second half of each game. Do you have any particular reason or reasons for that? I uh, just feel in my first half. You know, um, 
the, the game is not won in the first half, nor is it won in the third quarter. You know, you got to play all four quarters, all 60 minutes of the game. So I just felt like just um, the first and second quarter is just a, a little bit of process of me feeling them out, see how they run, see how they uh, get off blocks, see how they hit and things like that. And then uh, this uh, second half is when you really got to uh, turn it on, especially when you're down 27-7. Um, all right. Thank you, Ty. Great stuff from Ty Jordan. Man, just um, very – very upfront, uh, very insightful kid, isn't he? Upfront and insightful, and very enlightening. He doesn't act like a freshman. No, he doesn't play like a freshman. He's he's been through a lot. His mother was battling stage four cancer his senior year of high school, so I think he's gained he, a lot of. He may have a different that. perspective on life. I mean, he, and he just lost. He certainly her too, doesn't. Yeah. yeah, he's mentioned her. Twice after scoring touchdowns that he felt like his yeah. mother would be proud of him. Yeah, dang, man. I know he's gone through a lot. Um, I know he's gone through a lot, and he's a great kid and a great representative, and, geez, that is a guy that everyone wants to see succeed at a high level. Good job, Ty. I mean, really great job. This is one of the most um, unexpected – let's see, how would I put this? Uh, one of the most – unexpected uh, coming from nowhere to, to rise to this level performances that I've seen from an athlete in the state. There's been a few, like I, I can remember Harvey Unga in a spring game. I remember he blew up and then in that spring game and then showed up in fall camp and he was great. You know, I know that there's actually been some a lot of Utah running backs that have kind of done De- that. Devontae Booker is one. They've shown up and they're they're in a dogfight. But Ty Jordan, it feels like he the early stages of who he is is even better than Devontae Booker and Zach Moss. He had seven carries in the first game against USC, and he split time with three other guys: Bernard Brumfield and Wilmore and Wilmore. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And even coming out of that game, I, I it felt like a lot of us were saying, is Ty Jordan the guy? Is Ty the, the true freshman? Is he the guy? And it just, week after week, it just became more clear and more apparent and more obvious who the guy was. And he is fantastic. And he's so good. We and all the talk was Brumfield and Wilmore. All of the talk mm-hmm. was 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 those two those two guys. And I think those guys are very talented. And by the way, there's another talented guy. Bernard is very very good. The running back position for Utah is in really good shape. George, Ty Jordan was a really highly touted recruit by the staff as he came into Utah, and they have another one coming in in Ricky Parks right. that they feel really confident in. And I think much like they've done with the defensive backfield, they've identified traits in running backs that really translate well. Well, this one translates extremely well. 22 carries, 154 yards, and three touchdowns. And basically all of that work done in the second half. And I will give credit to this offensive line. Mm-hmm. For sure. We saw multiple blocks downfield. Um, we, we did see some grinding. Uh, saw, uh, 
even uh, Keithy got involved a few times in some blocking schemes. You know, there there were there were some there was some really good offensive front played, uh, especially in the second half of this game. I did feel like the pocket was there all night. I, I didn't feel like Washington State was a real threat in the pocket most most of the day. Right. It didn't feel like they were really a threat. So. That was a good thing. I, I actually felt like this was a pretty good performance by the Utah offensive line. Almost throughout. Pretty solid performance. Yeah. You made that comment while we were watching the game that it it wasn't, you know, the uh, the offensive inefficiency wasn't necessarily on the offensive line. No. And I know that you're very objective about that position group. Yeah, very. Yeah, very. And I and I, I would certainly call them out if I felt like they were the problem, but they've they've really struggled with the the twist and and the the stunting up front and today looked so much more clean. I think a lot of that was Braden Daniels and Simi Mwala seemed to have found some communication on the field and some chemistry with a lot of that. So it was nice, good. It was nice to see kind of Utah's offensive line pick it up. Uh, okay, so Frank, give me a Drew Lisk breakdown. Kind of walk me through. He's 15 of 26, 152 yards. No turnovers, no touchdowns, but 15 to 26, 152. And how much was he responsible for, you know, the third and fourth quarter resurgence? Well, he was immediately, it, it felt like he was immediately more decisive with the football. He came into the game cold. He hasn't played all year long. And his first play is a completed pass. And, you know, it's hard to, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that's indicative of what he was going to do next, but it felt like, okay, you know, here's a guy that is ready to, to step on the field and play. And he completed his first couple passes, and he had a little bit of a, you know, welcome to the game kind of moment. Uh, he threw one one ball under pressure that was... <laughs> on a fourth down. <laughs> that looked pretty rough. A fourth and six, I think it was. But if you... If you look across his numbers, um, he took a couple chances. It didn't bite him in the back. He was very efficient with the football team, with with the football, and with the football team. Good quarterback numbers. He never put his team in a bad situation with a turnover, which is critical. And it's it felt like the team responded. I I will say that he in the pocket felt much more uh, ready, willing to release the football. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't – I kept saying in the first half that Bentley was holding on to – he's late, he's late, he's late. He put his receivers in difficult situations throughout that first half, and guys got took took some punishment mm-hmm. because the ball was late. And it, it didn't feel like that in the second half. Like Lisk was on time – getting rid of the football, in fact, threw the ball away a, f- a couple times when nothing was there. So I think the way he managed the game fit the style of the offense much better for, for Utah today. Kyle Whittingham will be joining the show here just in a second. Uh, we'll hear from him at the podium, get some of his thoughts on this game, the comeback, the turnaround, what he said at halftime, and much more. Kyle Whittingham, again, joining us here in just a minute. I want to go to the defensive side of the ball, Frank. Devin Lloyd, again, leading this team in tackles, 10 total tackles. This team ended up with 10 TFLs, got busy in the second half of this game, 
And, you know, you, you saw multiple big plays, but give me two or three defensive players of the game, two or three guys that jumped out to you as being part of the turnaround in the second half. Uh, Broughton played well, made a couple big plays in the second half. Um, Phillips played well. Uh, I We didn't talk about Sewell a lot, but I think he was evident. Like, he was in the game, mm-hmm. and he was – he, he was contributing to the game. His stats might not show it, but he contributed. Here's one that I thought was, was, was very influential in the game, but it's, he's at the bottom of the stat line. He has one total tackle in the game and one pass breakup, and that was Devin Kafusi. Like, we kept seeing 90 running around the field in the mix, mm-hmm. helping to make a play. I thought his presence was felt in that game, even though the stats don't, don't show that. I totally agree with you. you. You could see him, especially when things started to turn around. Let's go hear from Drew List, the quarterback that came in and really saved the day for Utah. Hey, Drew, last year uh, Kyle had, had kind of made mention that there was a chance that you may leave the program you know, I don't know how much of that was true, but what was the what was the likelihood of that? And then coming back to to play in this game and being able to just do as well as you did in that that, that second half. Oh, uh, well, just to touch on last year. Yeah, it was, it was a real you know real possibility for me. Um, I weighed my options in the end, just decided you know that I didn't want to. I wasn't ready to give it up yet. So came back, came to work, um, and I think what happened today was just a result of you know this is year five. Um, it's been a long five years, but, you know, it felt good today. So to get out there and play and um, I think that was just a product of this culture here, the whole entire team, you know, we show up every day and um, I tried to buy into that and I think it paid off. Uh, great, obviously great comeback win today. That was a blast. Next question will come from Trevor Allen, followed by Steve Bartle. Drew, what was going through your mind when uh, you you found out you were going in for for Jake? Uh, you know, especially when you guys were trailing as much as you were. Let's go. You know, uh, we were down I think twenty one to seven at the time, uh, maybe even twenty eight. I'm not sure, um, but I just knew it was time to go. You know, that's what I worked all week in practice for, all off season, all the last four years. So I know that you know the biggest thing is these guys on this team. They trust me, and I trust them. And so there's never a doubt in anyone's mind. You know, we you know, we just needed to go out and execute. So um, this is ready to go. Next question is from Steve Bartle with the Youth Zone, followed by Josh Newman with the Salt Lake Tribune. Drew, a lot of players have talked about you being one of the most deserving players. You know, for that type of moment. You know, what's it like having that kind of confidence from? you know, your teammates, uh, and, and it seemed like it, it showed on the field today. It seemed like there was a different level, energy level. What does that feel like for you, having that confidence from them? It just allows me to relax and play, you know. I mean, it's, it's confidence isn't something that just shows up overnight or anything like that, or, oh, hey, we got Drew coming in, now we're confident. You know, it's, confidence is something that everyone in this building has worked tirelessly for for weeks for months for years you know this season's been grind like anything else but you know when you show up and you work every day and you trust the guy next to you 
that confidence is just something that, you know, it builds and builds and builds. And when the moment comes, the confidence shows and you just get to go out and play. So it's a great feeling. You know? I mean, yeah, love these guys. And couldn't have done it without every single one of them. Next question will come from Josh Newman with the final two questions coming from Patrick Kennehy and Julie Jag. Drew, congrats on the win. Um, when you when you get thrust into a situation like that, you know, with live game reps on the fly, is there a moment where you kind of have to gather yourself and you know and get used to the speed of what's going on out there? I don't think so. I mean, just practice is pretty close to full game speed. Uh, in my mind, it's a little bit more clear. You know, in a game, there's no coaches on the field. You see the whole thing. Um, it's just something I try to stay locked in from kickoff to the end of the game, regardless of if I'm playing or not. So try to be prepared for what might come before it actually happens. So, uh, you know, it felt good to get back in there. First time I've been hit in a long time. So that felt good. Next question is from Patrick Kenahan, followed by Julie Jack. At, at what point, Drew, did you get told that you were going in the game? Uh, it was just right before, right before that last, right before I went in, pretty much. Um, then they scored the next play, so it was just right before, right, right before the, we went in, right when the offense came off the field. So, sorry. All right, final question for Drew will come from Julie Jack. Hey Drew, how's it going? Um, congratulations on the win. I you have a little bit of a of a history of of sitting back and having patience, waiting for your time to shine. Um, I'm I'm talking all the way back from high school days. What what gives you that patience? What helps you? What do you get from from kind of sitting back and then getting your moment to come in? I mean, it's not easy. I'll tell you that it's not easy. Um, but you know, when you work as hard as you do at this level of football, um, even going back to high school, you know, when you work as hard as you do and put in the hours that you do with the same guys every day, in my mind, you know, you're committed to those guys. And for me, you know, I appreciate and I love all the guys here, um, all the coaches here, you know, it's been just been a great situation. And the guys we've got in this program are guys that you want to be around and you know, it's not ideal if you're not playing all the time or right away. But in my mind, you know, today was worth it for five years. Today was worth it. Um, and I wouldn't change anything. But, um, you know, it's not easy. But I think everything I've been through, I'm not saying it's been hard. People like people got a lot worse than I do. But uh, it's also not easy. So um, I think everything that's gone through the past four or five years, um, it's all been worth it. So I'm going to change the All right. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. There you go, uh, Drew Locke there. Or Lisk. Sorry, Drew Lisk there. <laughs> you okay, big man? At you seem podium. a little flustered after that. Yeah, I'm a little flustered. Do you I mean, feel like sometimes you don't get enough out of the post-game interview? Yeah, I mean, most of the time. I would just like to hear what these guys went through in their decision to not play a bowl game, and and that has not been asked yet. So hopefully we get that question asked to Kyle Whittingham or to somebody. Um, but, you know, we did find out about his confidence level, and that's good. So Can I give you an interesting statistic for 
the football game today? Yeah, please. I'm going to give you four quarterback ratings. Okay, please go. Okay, here's the first quarterback rating: one fifty-one point one. That's pretty dang good. The second is one twenty-six point six. The third is one eleven point three, and the last is one hundred six point eight. Can you tell me which quarterback fits which rating? Okay. <clears throat> um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Drew List, the one. 151. 51. Because no. No, no turnovers. Okay, no. so then that would have been Delora. No. Cameron Cooper? Nope. I know it's not Jake Bentley. The highest rated quarterback on the afternoon is none other than Jake Bentley at 151.1. 1. 7 of 14. For 153 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Got to be kidding me. Okay. The lowest-rated quarterback. I guess we throw that <laughs> metric out. The lowest-rated quarterback on the day is Drew Lisk at 106.8. 15 of 26, 152 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Really? Sometimes the metrics don't tell the story, right? Wow. Uh, Kyle Whittingham taking the podium. We're ready for you. Do you want to start with an opening is statement? Is that you, Jordy? <laughs> it is me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Opening statement. Uh, my hat straight. Okay. Um, by the looks of the first half, you thought we opted out of that half and the bowl game. But uh, we uh, came to uh, – woke up in the second half, I guess you can say, and uh, really – just made play after play after play. It snowballed, you know, and it was an ideal start to the second half. We came out and, and had a three and out offensively and uh, got nothing going with that first drive. But players didn't flinch, didn't phase them. Uh, we got some uh, caught fire on D, started getting stops and takeaways, and and then the offense caught fire, and, and uh, it just snowballed, like I said. And it was great to see. It was a great way to end the season. Uh, first half, the struggles really due to uh, turnovers and penalties. We had, uh, what, four more points than we did turnovers in the, in the first half. We had seven points and three turnovers. Uh, had a bunch of penalties. And uh, give credit to Washington State. They played exceptionally well in the first half. Uh, offense moved the ball. We didn't play a lot of things very well in the first half defensively. Gave up some big yards on the draw play. Um, <clears throat> didn't make enough plays in the throw game. But... Second half, you judge the game as a whole, not not uh, you know you don't you don't uh, judge it half by half. So the, the net result, and the end result, was very positive for our team. Very proud of the way the guys came out with a lot of resolve and uh, determination in that second half, and uh, just took complete control of the game. And it was uh, great, like I said, a, a great way and a very fitting way, I guess, to end a weird season, a weird a weird type of a game to end a. Very strange season. So, questions? All right. First question will come from Josh Furlong with KSL, followed by Trevor Allen with KSL Sports. Hey, Kyle, last year you had made mention that Drew Lisk may leave the program. Then he comes in here today and he kind of leads you guys to a victory. What, what's that experience been like to be able to watch his progress, knowing that he's always been ready and willing to go in whenever you ask him? Drew Lisk is one of my favorite players on this entire team. He's, he's completely unselfish. He's got a great attitude. Uh, he's just the epitome of a great teammate. And all he wants to do is, is help the program any way he can. 
uh, and came back. We were, we were very fortunate he came back. We were elated when he decided to come back because he's got two or three degrees and all kinds of stuff <laughs> that he could do. And I, I think this was his last last game here at Utah. I don't, even though he has the opportunity to come back, I, I just don't think that's in his plans. But uh, Drew Lisk is a, is a pleasure to have on your team. He's a, he's a, a guy that... Uh, helps everybody around him as, as, as much as he possibly can. He's, he's like a coach on the field. And uh, you saw the, the legend of Drew Lisk was, was born in that second half. And that'll he'll be able to tell that story for, for years, how he came in and, and uh, rallied the troops. Next question will come from Trevor Allen, followed by Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, you guys were down 28-7 at the half. What did you tell your guys prior to coming out for the uh, second half in order to get things turned around? Well, I said we had two options: either come, you know, go tell the other team we're not going to, you know, we're done, and they can they can have the victory, or come out and play like we're capable of. That was it. And I told them I wasn't going to watch, we weren't going to watch the same uh, thing in the second half that we watched in the first half. So it was either it was either just throw out the white flag or come ready to play and and uh, try to become and play who, you know. What we're the, be the team we're capable of and, and play like we're capable of, and that's that was uh, what happened in the second half. That's two strong second halves in a row. The Colorado game last week was uh, was very similar as well. So, so that's a positive. The, the big negative is uh, obviously our poor performance in the first half. But again, you judge the game as as a whole and it's in its entirety. And when you do that, it was a good performance. Next question will come from Josh Newman, followed by John Kuhn with the AP. Uh, what was the tipping point finally that compelled you and Andy to um, to bench Jake and go with Drew? I think it was that uh, the interception, um, and I can't it, you know the game is kind of a blur right now. Yeah. But it was the it was uh, the turnover uh, late in the first half. Was it? I can't even remember. But it was it was uh, at that point that uh, made the decision to uh, to go with Drew. And just to follow that up. Um, has anybody expressed to you their future plans? I know that Devin was just in here, says that he has some um, some thinking to do still. Has Jake expressed one way or the other what he plans to do? No, that's next on our agenda is we have a team meeting on Tuesday night and uh, a Zoom meeting. And uh, in the meantime, everyone will travel to their destinations and finally get a chance to be back with their families and, and uh, you know, just, just kind of get a, get a break. But uh, that's that's the next order of business. We have, uh, I believe, it's 14 seniors, and who all have the option to come back and be super seniors, I guess you'd call them. And so that's uh, going to take place, and we'll we'll you know try to uh, get things uh, hashed out and decide who's going to be with us, who's not, and then go from there. But uh, you know we're we're excited about this team that's coming back. I mean everybody everybody's eligibility is frozen, so nobody advances a year. And so when you add this class that we just signed a few days ago to what we got, uh, we had, we're pretty optimistic about the future. Next question will come from John Kuhn, followed by Patrick Kinahan with the 1280 this time. Kyle, you, you look at the fourth quarter and, and you guys forced four turnovers on each of Washington State's final four drives. But going back to the third quarter, you forced them to commit a, to have a series of three and outs, held them to minus six yards rushing in that quarter. I think about 10 total yards. How important were those third quarter drives and kind of setting the tone and opening things up for the fourth quarter for the defense? Well, it was critical because we didn't have much margin for error. Had they scored once more, 
prior to us scoring, I mean, that would have, I don't know how you overcome a 28-point deficit, but but uh, all those were very critical. The, punt, the, the roughing the punter was critical. That was that uh, gave that series life, and I believe that is the series we hit the field goal to go up 10, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, when we had the roughing the punter, when they had the roughing the punter against us. And so it was all critical. Every, you know, all the takeaways were critical. Every play that was made uh, was critical. And like I said, when you're down 28-7, you got to make a bunch of plays. And we made uh, pretty much every one we had to make. Next question will come from Patrick Kinahan, followed by Ryan Casteca with SI.com. Now that these five games are done, how much can you benefit and draw upon them in preparation for next season when hopefully we have the regular 12 games? Yeah, we hope so, uh, and that's that's the first things we hope that is normal. We hope we have a a regular off season program and spring ball and all that, but that's that's down the road. But these five games here gave, in particular, our true freshmen, as well as a redshirt freshman that hadn't played much at all, a, a great foundation and, and exposure to the speed and the competitiveness of the of the Power Five at the Power Five level and what it takes to play, and couldn't be more proud of. Uh, particularly proud of the whole team, but especially what our defense did this year. When you look at what they lost and, and uh, the guys that uh, came in with, you know, really just no experience, a true freshman out of high school. And and uh, we were second in the league in defense prior to this game. I don't know what will end up, but if you would have told me at the end of five games or whatever the end of the season, we'd be number two in defense, I would have said you're crazy because uh, that's a tall order. And and credit to Coach Scali and, and uh, the rest of the defensive staff for getting those guys coached up. and and credit the entire staff for the recruitment of, of the guys because there's you know talented players are, are what win games. You know, those are the guys that win the games. And and uh, offense is what I want to leave those guys out too because even though we were more experienced on offense, we had a bunch of freshmen that uh, really made an impact starting with Ty Jordan. Three of our five starting alignment are freshmen. And so, like I said, a good foundation for the future. Final three questions will come from Ryan Costeca, Steve Bartle, and Trevor Allen. Hey, Coach, obviously, you know, going into, you know, the offseason, the fact that you won the final game of the year, what kind of momentum does that give you guys moving forward? Well, it's better than losing it. I don't know. You know I don't know how, how how long that momentum lasts. It just gives you a good feeling about the season, but it leaves a better taste in your mouth than, uh, than the uh, alternative. And really, when you look at winning the final three games of the season in, in succession, that's really something that I'm proud of these guys getting it turned around. We had two tough games right out of the gate. Uh, the two champions, I guess you could say, the, the North champ was Washington, even though they couldn't play in the championship game. And then USC and Washington, we had them 21, uh, you know, 21 point lead at half, and we, we couldn't couldn't uh, close them out. But but it it looked like we took a step each game in the season. We took a step forward, and even though in the first half of this one you wouldn't have thought that, but when you look at the game in its entirety, we feel like this is a step forward as well. And and that'll give us uh, good momentum uh, heading into the off season, and and uh, you know just try to build on it. That's that's the, the next challenge. Just try to build on this season, and and uh, be uh, you know, be a better football team next year. Next question is from Steve Bardo, followed by Trevor Allen. Coach, I know that you've already highlighted a lot of the freshmen that have contributed to the win, but I'm I'm curious with Clark Phillips. Uh, you know, he's he's kind of had uh, he's played well, but he's kind of he hasn't had a, a breakout moment like like he did today in this game. What do you what do you um, you know have to say about his play and, and his future at Utah? 
it's outstanding. His, his future is, you know, his ceiling and his his upside is tremendous. You just got a glimpse of it this year in five games, and for him to come in and cover, uh, you know, power five receivers right out of the gate, there was no, uh, you know, non-conference games to kind of ease into things. It was it was USC's group right right on day one, game one, and and not just Clark, but Nate Ritchie, our other freshman DB, Fabian Marks, the other freshman DB. Uh, just and the front guys, you know, Xavier Carlton and Van Fillinger and Tennessee Pututau and our linebacker Sione Lund, or excuse me, Sione Fotu, who uh, was were so uh, instrumental and in, in contributors uh, this season. So it's uh, it's a positive all the way around for those guys. And Clark has got all the tools to become a great one. And I think he saw, saw the starting of that uh, this year. Final question will come from Trevor Allen. Coach, coming into the game, you you had some uh, different guys up up front than what you normally had. What'd you make of uh, Devin Kafusi and a te uh, Tennessee Pututau? As yeah, we, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What what to make of Tennessee and Devin and Devin? Yes, Tennessee, Tennessee and Te and Devin. Uh, well, first of all, we didn't have Viana Mawala. He was uh, scratched from this game. It was a so he wasn't available. I still think he's one of the best D tackles in the in the Pac-12. So that that gave uh, the opportunity for Devin, who's got nothing but better. Ever since he joined our program, he is just getting better and better. And uh, we feel that that his most upside and where he's going to flourish is as a D tackle. He started as a D end, but we moved him inside. He's gained 10 or 15 pounds during the course of the season. And if we can get him up to you know 295, 300 by next year, he's going to be a really good player down in there. But uh, Devin and Tennessee, and Tennessee is just a true freshman. He's he's a little undersized right now. He's about 280. He needs to add 15, 20 pounds to his frame, which he will. He doesn't doesn't have the height. Devin's got that great height and uh, long levers. But Tennessee's more of a just a, plays with quickness and and pad level and, and leverage. That's his that's his strong suits. And uh, we think they're both going to be a big help. And, and Devin still has two more years left. And Tennessee, of course, has five to play for. As as we know, nobody used up any redshirt years or eligibility uh, years or anything like that. So that's a good thing. All right. Thank you, Coach. Big thanks to Kyle Whittingham. Great stuff there. Kyle Whittingham motivating his team to get ready for that second half. And he did it by saying... <laughs> We're not going to watch what we watched. Yeah, just are you, we going to throw in the towel? Yeah. We're going to throw the white flag out there, or we're going to come out and play. Uh, we'll come back, and we'll wrap up our thoughts on this game. Big win for Utah, coming back from a 28-7 halftime deficit to score 38 consecutive points in the second half of this game to get the 45-28 win. Put these final thoughts on it next. <laughs> Welcome back. It is your Utah postgame show, the final one of the season. And thank heavens, because Frank and I are no longer friends. We're best friends. No, We're I don't, not just friends. We're best friends. I don't know how you did it, man. Like, I'm a positive person. I love people. 
And yep. you and I have gotten through three seasons together and had a blast. What do you mean gotten through? It's been like we, you know, a cakewalk, a waltz. It's like we, you we've know, I know what through. you're going to do and you know what I'm going to do. It's like we're on the same page all the time. We've had a ball. Yes. But then you throw a comment at me and, and it's all crumbling into nothing. I made a simple request and you... You no. were unki- so unkind in you your denial. You made a horrible comparison. You were so unkind in your denial. <laughs> that you, you made an I unfriendly no, comparison. I had no other choice. I was like a big cat backed into the cave. Well, you did attack with your claws. It was hurtful. Yeah. And I'd really appreciate an apology. Well, I, when I'm backed into a corner. <laughs> you cut? I, I'm like a tiger. You're like Scotty An G. Angry big Scott, cat. With Scotty would be like, you know, like I'll say something to Scotty like, hey, Scotty, you've got a hair on your on your shoulder. Yeah, well, your <laughs> wife lies to you and cheats on you. <laughs> and you're like, oh my, oh my gosh, man. I was just trying yeah. to get the hair off your shoulder. Right. Yeah. No, I'm not like that. Yeah. But you really, you really hit me hard. <laughs> I appreciate how we close out every season together with me expecting an email from HR on Monday. So yeah, that, that was a great Christmas gift from here both it, of you. Here it comes. Uh, hey, do you think that coach Whittingham would, I know he left it up to the players. Do you think coach Whittingham would have opted out of the bowl game based, based on all that's gone on this year? Um, yes. If it was up to coach Whittingham. Yeah. Yes, because he would have had pressure from university admins to not take the the, the financial losses. Because I think it's going to be pretty heavy financial losses. Well, but it no, is something... he would have probably taken it because you need the week, and he's got young guys. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. It's a difficult year because the revenue associated with uh, the the broadcast rights is diminished significantly for all of the Pac-12 teams. Um. And I would put that right back on the Pac-12 because, once again, they were just dopey about the way they managed this whole thing. That's very kind of you to say, Frank. <laughs> so, uh, so taking another loss uh, would have been difficult for the football program. And that's something I, I think we should probably consider in this strange year. And, by the way, it's a good way to finish out the year on a very high note for Utah in a great second half of football. That's what I was going to ask you, Frank. Just kind of wrap things up for us. It it was a year that uh, I thought we saw a lot of progress out of uh, out of this Utah football team. I still am curious, had Utah been able to get a couple games in early? Because, you know, Utah was supposed to open up with Arizona. That was a very winnable, winnable game. And then Arizona State, those games got canceled, and Utah was thrust into this situation against a USC football team that had a couple games under its belt. And USC underperformed all year long based on the talent they have available and, and what we saw them do in the Pac-12 championship game. I, I'm very curious about how Utah would have been able to perform. But over their five games, I think that you could say we saw um, glimpses of what could be a really fantastic mm-hmm. Utah football team in the future. Still, it's not a team that put together four quarters. They played in spurts. They didn't do what you would you requested four quarters in the pre. <laughs> they they instead they they found a way to win, you know, against an Oregon State team. 
where they had a, a decent lead, and then they played a terrific second half against Colorado, and then they it looked like like Coach Whittingham said they opted out of the 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 game, uh, uh, you, you know, against Washington State, and then found their footing. So. In all of that, I think that's probably the youth and inexperience of this team showing through a little bit, and then maybe some a little bit of leadership in 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 difficult situations that pulled them through. So, what I think about this football team over the course of this year, the future is bright for the University of Utah. They, the the one big issue for me after watching these five games, the biggest issue. And it shouldn't surprise anybody. Is Utah going to be able to solidify the quarterback position group? I think everywhere everywhere else looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Will they be G- able give to us, solidify? Give us an idea. Do you do you the, believe they will? Well, with with what they have available currently, it's very thin. Very, very thin. Not confident. Lisk is probably gone. Bentley is probably gone. Mm-hmm. We just don't know what Rising is. We don't know who he is. We got to see him for what? Seven plays? 15 mm-hmm. plays? Who knows? Uh, and he's going to be injured likely during spring ball. You have a true freshman coming in. You have five or six walk-ons on the team that we've just never, nobody's ever talked about them. Mm-hmm. It all depends on whether or not Utah is able to go out and get one or two experienced guys from the transfer portal and insert those guys in spring into this football team and get a few months with Coach Ludwig. At the moment, as it sits right now, I'm it's it's very thin at the quarterback position. I would tell Utah fans to certainly expect one, if not two transfer portal quarterbacks to land on this roster. And I I also expect them to be good athletes at the very least, very good athletes. And I expect them to be at one point, high level recruits, whether they were jaded or not, the kind of thing that you see in the portal. But I expect it. Frank, great job all year, except for that last break. Great job, dude. You really are the best except for that last break. What are you talking about? Listen, I hold you as the pinnacle of football broadcasting and analysis. Every day that I get to perform with you is a day that I'm just trying to climb the ladder and every time I feel like I, I get up another rung on the ladder, then you're, uh, you're two more further away. It's a constant struggle for me <laughs> to try to, to gain ground on your greatness in football knowledge and analysis. You're good looking. You have a great sense of humor. You kind of riled me up in the in the break. It, yeah, I was. I in was, retrospect, I was, I was billed as somebody else, and I didn't appreciate that. In retrospect, in retrospect, it was probably a low 
It was a low blow. Yeah, don't don't ever do that. Probably below the belt. Probably below the belt. (laughs) Was below the belt. Yeah, but I still just adore you because (laughs) nobody knows Utah football like you do, and I just adore you. (laughs) Well, let me just say we have a great time, and I look forward to these opportunities more than you know. I do as well, and it was it was really fun season. I do want to say to the coaches that might be getting in their cars, the players and the parents. That might get in there, be getting in their cars. I get it, man. Crazy freaking season. Thanks for the effort to get your guys on the field. Seriously, uh, Frank needed it. I needed it. Big Brian back here in the studio. We we needed it. It was an escape. And that first half made us want to throw up, but it was still entertaining. It was still football. The second half reminded us why we keep coming back for more. It was like putting that nickel in the slot machine right before you leave Vegas, and it hits, and you're like, oh, maybe I can make a living gambling. <laughs> it was just, it was nice, man. It was, it was a reminder why I come back to this game time and time again. And it's also a reminder that Utah is steady. <laughs> they are steady, and they can reassert themselves, and they can do what, what's necessary to get the win in the second half when the chips are stacked against them. And I appreciate that, appreciate the effort, and I appreciate all the listeners out there, the downloads and the Utah fans that tune in. We're sure grateful to you. We're thankful that uh, you are sports fans and that you join us every single weekend. And we look forward to the 2021 season. Don't, don't look away. Frank and I will be breaking down the spring. We'll get you ready for fall camp, and we'll carry you right through. Frank, great season, buddy. Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity you guys gave me to be here. Brian Brown, great season. Appreciate you, man. And thanks to everybody else that's made it possible. We'll see you on the Utah pre and post game show in 2021.